dear listeners we welcome you to our message today and uh, our message today is living by faith living by faith and before we begin this message today i will want to welcome each and every one to a word of prayer mighty and everlasting father what in heaven we thank you because of your grace and because of your love and care because of the wonderful things that you bestowed upon us great is thy faithfulness mercy and love morning by morning new mercies we see and all that we desire you've always provided we thank you for this time our lord and for granting us life it is a privilege indeed and even at this time as we are going to listen to your message god may you speak through us and lord may this message be a blessing to everyone who listens to this message lord i pray that may you put your word in our hearts so that jesus your word may reign in our mortal bodies and we may live in accordance to your will at such a times that we are living god when people are getting discouraged each and every day we ask that lord may you come and give us that peace that is from within because you said in john 14:27 that peace i leave you divine unto you what as the word give me i will pray that we may have this true experience an experience of true peace begin with us now and lead us by the power of the holy ghost in jesus name we pray amen Our message today is living by faith living by faith living by faith our key text is from the book of romans chapter 1 verse 16 romans chapter 1 verse 16 the bible says for i am not ashamed of the gospel of christ for it is the power of god unto salvation to everyone that believeth to the jews first and also to the greek verse 17 the bible says for wherein is the righteousness of god revealed from faith to faith as it is written the just shall live by faith so our topic is living by faith we are living in a world where men and women have lost all hope things are happening and the days in which we are living is solemn and important the spirit of god is gradually but surely being withdrawn from the earth all over in the media in the newspapers you will not lack any news to do with bold robberies crimes of all magnitude calamities by land and by the sea everywhere and most things that have happened recently is events that we are actually witnessing are rapid the sirens are everywhere and everyone looks to wonder what is happening in the world and wondering surely what is happening in the world and men and women are losing hope economy is crashing down and we do not know where the events are taking us we do not know how the events are leading us and we do not know where actually we are headed men and women their hearts are failing for the fear of those things that will come upon the earth and the greatest question that men and women are asking themselves today how shall we live how shall we live men have lost all hope if we remember the incident in the children of israelites the book of numbers 21 verse 4 just paraphrasing that text the bible will tell you that the children of israelites were discouraged because of the way and as a result he took them to murmuring and as a result of murmuring god sent to them fiery serpents that bite them in the wilderness and the only solution that was there is Jesus to be lifted up in the cross that they may be able to witness 
the days of Noah just before us. Christ spoke about these words. He spoke about these events for time and warning us that these things will come upon the earth that we may not be discouraged. See that your hearts are not troubled. If you read uh, the book of Matthew 24, verse 8, the Bible will tell you that all these are the beginning of sorrows. And men's hearts are feeling for fear of such things that will come upon the earth. Bold robberies are everywhere. Men and women are infatuated with vice. Witnessing all over the world, people are actually committing murders and even called murders before people. Men and women and young people are killing and men are lost because of the want of the gospel. We are wondering, how shall we live? Men are giving up in this life. There is a book, Christian Service, page 52, paragraph 2. One of the writers in the 19th century wrote that the days in which we are living are solemn and important. The Spirit of God is gradually and surely withdrawn from the earth. Plagues and judgments are already falling upon the despisers of the grace of God. The grace of God extends far beyond sinners, far beyond sinners, far beyond people who have no hope of even salvation, where people have given up. The grace of God is so sweet. Marvelous grace of God is actually far beyond the sin that we commit each and every day. And because men and women have despised this grace that stretches forth to reach out the impenitent, to reach out the people who are so sinful in this world and wicked, because people have despised this grace of God through the Lord Jesus Christ, his spirit is gradually being withdrawn from the earth. The judgments are falling upon the earth. She says the calamities by the land and by the sea, the unsettled state of affairs, of society, the alarms of war are potentious. We are witnessing that potential signs are thickening around. Silence are everywhere and men and women seem to be sleeping. They forecast approaching events of the greatest multitude. The agencies of evil are combining their forces and consolidating. We are seeing men and women claiming themselves to be benefactors of the race in the name of promoting and advocating for health matters, but yet behind them are exterior motives. And Lord, what, and what we are seeing, friends, these are agencies of evil combining forces and consolidating. They are strengthening for the last great crisis. Great changes are soon to take place to a while and final events are rapid ones. And indeed, the final events are rapid from just from the year 2019 up to this year 2021. No one is blind to what is happening in the world. The events are rapid. Christ spoke these things for time. And like it was in the events during the time of Job, when Job was faced with a crisis. Job 1.1, the Bible says there is a... Those, and there, is, there was a man in the land of Uz, whose name was Job, who is perfect. The Bible says that who feared God and eschewed all evil. And the Bible says that he faced so many crises as we begin from verse 13. And the Bible will tell you that events were happening so much that the messengers who were coming were reporting one after events after the other before even the first messenger finishes to report the other event comes and falls in place. And four events which are very important and which are very important which are very important to these last days that we are living, the events that actually focus and be able to tell us as an antitype of what is happening in the world are the same events that happened during the time of Job and indeed revealing to us that events were rapid and typifying the times that we are living. And that is why 
the servant of the Lord says that great changes are soon to take place. And indeed, we are witnessing before the world that the changes have really taken place from 2019 since COVID pandemic. Things have changed. Economy has crashed all of a sudden. No one knows what will happen next. It's about switching off and switching on in the economy, switching on, lockdowns and everywhere. People have lost all of People have lost their jobs. Economy is really crashing like it was in the time of Egypt when actually Joseph was leading the people of Egypt. The Bible will tell you that indeed money failed and as a result money failed, it led to famine and it led to people actually giving up their life and selling their lives to the government so that the government may give them only food, selling their cattle, stealing their mandatory wealth and giving it to Joseph so that he can be able to manage and at the end of the day give them farms to till the land and the times which they were living, which were typifying the times we are living. Indeed, we are living in the last days. The greatest question and of greatest magnitude to each and everyone, everyone who is actually seeing the events which are happening, even the blind are seeing and the deaf are here, are asking themselves, how shall we live? The Bible, which is the word of God, the Bible in whose men and women who actually died in defense of this scripture, Sola Scriptura, gives each and every one answers. And that is why our message today, we want to focus and ask ourselves that indeed, how shall we live? How shall we live? And that is why the topic for tonight is living by faith. Living by faith. The book of Romans, chapter 1, verse 16, the Bible says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto, the, unto salvation to everyone that believeth, first to the Jews and to the Gentiles. And also to the Greek or the Gentiles. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. Now, the question that we need to ask ourselves as we begin our message. What is faith? What is faith? How shall we live? Living by faith. But what is faith? The Bible tells us. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, verse 1, the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, verse 1, the Bible answers that question by saying, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The Bible says the evidence of things not seen. Now faith is a substance. Now we really need to understand what is substance and what is an evidence. Because for you to have an evidence that something has really happened, then you really need to have substance. But the Bible says is the substance of things hoped for. That means that the things which are hoped for, and the Bible says the evidence of things not seen, therefore it means what are these things which are not seen. And remember the things which are not seen are prophecy. For us to define what is prophecy is the things not seen, because you have not seen them yet. But let's underscore some points about this faith to understand that faith is the substance of things hoped for and evidence of things not seen. This is what the Bible is saying. Now, for us to understand what is substance, let's go to the book of Genesis 1, verse 5. The Bible says in the book of Genesis 1, verse 5, that and God called the day light, the day, and the darkness, the Bible says, and called the night, and evening, and morning were the first day. But verse 3, the Bible says, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. 
This means that before God, by the power of his word, he was able to call the work of creation into existence. And by the power of his word, God actually kept the things of this world are kept by the power of God. Now what is substance? Before God himself speaks his word, his creative word, because in, in the word there is a creative power. Before God himself declared to the word, let there be light, it means God was not waiting for light to exist in order for actually for us to prove and have evidence that there is light. Because in God's word, it is a creative power. He creates by the power of his word. And we are kept by the power of his word. Unbelievers are kept by the power of his word. Everything else in this world is kept by the power of his word. In such a way that when God withdraws his power, everything else will tumble down. Now, what is substance? That the word of God in it held the substance. The substance itself was light. And if the substance was light, then it means that by the time God is speaking, let there be light, already that substance of light is in existence before we need that evidence. This is powerful, especially when you and I are facing a lot of storms and crises in this life in such a way that your mother or your relative is so sick, in such a way that you are seeking even for physician to come and heal them so that you may believe and have evidence that indeed it was healed. The word of God does not depend on the evidence, but the word of God actually depends on that creative power, on the faith that we have that indeed when God declares that I will bring healing to you, it really means that in that word there is substance of healing before you experience that physical healing. Amen. This is powerful. Now, if you read verse 8, the Bible says, and call the firmament, and evening and morning were the second day. That means that when he called the firmament and heaven and the evening and the morning were the second day, it means he still holds substance when he says, let there be a light under the heavens. So, friends, we need to underscore some of these issues so that we may understand that faith is a substance of the things hoped for and evidence of the things not seen. Now, you have an evidence that indeed when God said, let there be light, there is evidence at the end of the tunnel that indeed light exists, even if in real, in actual sense, we have not seen that light. But we believe by faith that light indeed exists because the word of God has said so. May, this is very powerful. Now, faith is the evidence. Now, the, the, another question that we need to ask ourselves as we move to this message and lockdown, because remember, we are talking about living by faith is one question that we need to understand is who is the author of faith? Who is the author of that faith? For us to have faith, for us to have hope, for us to actually have an evidence of things not seen, remember there is one thing that we need to understand. If we really understand who is the author of faith, then we know that there is life in that faith. Because if we want to believe by faith, then it means we have to believe in the one who is actually giving us that faith and who in him there is life. Now, if we turn to the book of Hebrews, the Bible says in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, chapter 12, the Bible says in the book of Hebrews, we can read in the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, verse 2, if we can look in unto Jesus, the Bible says, the earth and the finish of our faith. That means who? is our faith. It is Jesus Christ who is the author 
and the finish of our faith. If you read John 12, verse 31, the Bible will tell you, now if I be lifted up at the cross, I will draw men iron to thee. Before that instance, Christ gives a typology, and he refers them that as was Moses was lifted up at the cross, the Son of Man will also be lifted up. If he be lifted up, he will be drawing men nigh unto. Now, the, when the children of Israel were discouraged because of the way, they murmured. And as a result of murmuring, God sent to them fiery serpents. Plagues and judgments fall before them. Now, the only remedy for that sin is the one who believed by faith when he called at Moses and told him, set up what he called as a brazen, a brazen what he called as serpent, and set up at the high so that men and women may be able to behold. And he who believes in that, and by beholding, they become changed. By beholding, they become healed. And there was what he called as the spiritual restoration to the children of Israel. Now, looking unto Jesus, this is what Hebrews is saying, that as the children of Israel were beholding that fiery serpent, that the same, same serpent that brought about plagues upon them, where Moses was commanded to actually set up and be able to set up that brazen, brazen what he called as the brazen uh, uh, snake, at the cross, it brought healing. The act was not about the serpent which was healing. The act was actually looking unto that serpent and believing that by faith that by me only looking at it, I have life. Now that serpent is referring to Jesus Christ when he says in John 12, 31, the book John 12, 31, this is what the Bible says, that if I be lifted up the cross, the Bible says, now is the judgment. Ah, uh, Let's read. From verse 32, and if I be lifted up from the heart, will draw all men unto me. It was the serpent actually typified Jesus Christ. Who is the heart of his feet? The heart of his feet is Christ. Who was nailed at the cross is Jesus. And if we look up unto him, we have actually healing. There was spiritual rest, there was physical restoration as well as spiritual restoration to the children of Israel because they looked up at the cross. Now, who is the heart of this faith? The heart of this faith is Jesus. That brazen serpent, by looking at him, it restored life unto them. Therefore, in Jesus there is life. The earth and the finish of this faith is Jesus Christ, who in him there is life. The Bible says, who for the joy was set before him. Endure the cross, despising the shame, is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus Christ is set down at the throne of God. And even Peter's sermon, when he was testifying about the same words, he said, Jesus was set at the right hand of the throne of God. And therefore, in him there is life. In Christ there is life. If we need faith, then we need to believe in him in whom there is life. Life to the fullest. And therefore, that is why the Bible says in John 3.16, for God sent for, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him, looking unto Jesus, the earth and the finish of our faith. That means that looking is actually believing in Christ. Looking unto him, the earth and the finish of our faith is the beginning and the finisher. That is why 17 Romans 1, 17, the Bible, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. It means that he is the beginning and the end of faith. It's the Alpha and the Omega. If we really need to have life, is the beginning and the end of life. And that life 
in Jesus, we can only find him through faith. Because in him, there is life. He's the earth and the finish of our faith. How shall we live? Living by faith. How shall we live? How shall we live in such a times that we actually living when things are actually broken down and people have given up hope? People have lost all hope. How are we saved? How shall we live? Who will save us is Jesus Christ because in him there is life. But how are we saved then? We are also saved by grace through faith. If we read John, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8, this is what the Bible is saying. The Bible is saying, Ephesians 2 verse says that for by grace are we saved through faith. How shall we say it? We are saved by grace. But that grace is dependent upon faith. Remember we say that faith is a substance of things awful and evidence of things not seen. The earth and the finish of our faith is Jesus Christ because it says, looking unto Jesus, the earth and the finish of our faith. Now how are we saved? We are saved through grace by faith. That means that faith is the real substance. Faith is actually once which makes us to have substance that for me to become, for me to overcome sin and become victorious over sin, I need to be dependent upon that grace and that grace is Jesus Christ. But that grace with Jesus Christ is through faith. The Bible says, and that not of yourself, it is the gift of God. We cannot save ourselves. We cannot relieve ourselves of the burdens that are so much upon us. We cannot be able to save ourselves in the situation that we are having. We are living at such a times when men and women are driving us so much to men to depend upon men and women for us to be saved. That the salvation of men, men and women is so much driven to such an extent that we depend upon man for salvation. But the Bible says we cannot even save ourselves, not even our health, not even our talent and intellect can be able to save ourselves. What will save us is faith. How shall we live? We shall live by faith. How shall we be able to move from one direction to the other is by faith. And how are we saved? We are saved by grace through faith, not of our own self. The Bible says it is the gift of God. That means that faith is the gift of God. It does not come from anyone. It has no thread of any human devising. There's no way I can sit down and claim for myself that indeed I can save myself. Even my wealth, my intellect, my talent, my everything cannot save me, especially in the times we are living. That means that the only thing, we can lose everything and even money, we can lose our relatives. But there's one thing that I want us, each and everyone, to just, with an open blank check, you pocket and you go bank it in the bank that what will remain with us for us to be saved is nothing else but faith because the just shall live by faith. The Bible says, how are we saved? By faith. Not of works because men and women, look at the Bible, what it says in Job chapter 14. The Bible says in the book of Job chapter 14, verse, uh, the, the Bible says in the book of Job, Let's read the book of Job, chapter 14, 15, verse 14. The Bible asks, what is man that he should be clean? And he which is born of a woman, that he should be righteous. This is what the Bible is saying. Behold, he put the no trust in his sins, yet the heavens are not clean in his sights. There is nothing good in man. Man cannot save himself. There is nothing good. It's the same question that is asked in the book of Psalms 8, verse 6. That what is man that thou art mindful about or the 
What is man? Because he was made a little lower than the angels. There's nothing good in the man. Man cannot save himself. And that is why Job is saying, what is man that he should be? Clean. Man is not clean in his own sight. But unfortunately, the times that we're living, men and women have their own righteousness, where they think they can save themselves, where they think they actually can save themselves because they think they're so clean and pure in their own eyes. But the Bible is asking, he which is born of a woman, that he should be righteous. But look at verse 16. The Bible says, Job 15, verse 16, how much abominable and filth is man that drinketh iniquity like water. We sin looking at our hearts and thinking that for our own selves we can be able to save ourselves. This is what the Bible is saying, how much abomination and filth is man which he drinketh iniquity like water. I know in one of the principles of health, if we look at water, because which is very essential, because our body contains over 80% of water, and which actually sustains and gives life. And remember, when we are talking about blood, we are talking about oxygen, and oxygen is a combination of water and air. And one thing that we should understand is that once we understand that there is life in water, remember there are people who actually, because it's recommended that we should take water, like eight glasses or three liters in a day, but there are men and women who are drinking iniquity like water. If it is about fornication, they are doing it as if they are actually that sin is less sinful. We are actually being faithful in terms of sin and not in terms of drinking water, that water that actually gives what he calls vitality to our life. Now, look at this text. That we drink iniquity like water. It's about gossip. We drink it like water. How much abominable. Man cannot save himself. The condition of the heart of man is that of desperate wickedness. Jeremiah 17 verse 9, the Bible says, the Bible asks one question in Jeremiah 17 verse 9. This is what the Bible is asking. We can read. We can read with us. This is what the Bible is asking in Jeremiah 17 verse 9. The Bible says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Man cannot save himself. How are we saved? We are saved by faith, not of our own self. It is the gift of God, lest any man should boast that I have saved myself, and the condition of the heart of man is that which reveals that indeed man cannot save himself. Look at the Bible which says that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? The sin is the condition of the heart. The heart of man is desperate, wicked. Out of the heart are all issues with life. Proverbs 4.23, the Bible says, keep your heart with diligence, for out of it are all issues of life. The heart is desperately wicked. Jesus Christ affirms this word by reading Matthew 15, 19 and affirms the condition of the heart of man that there is no way man can save himself in need to be dependent upon God and looking unto Jesus, the earth and the fish of our faith. This is what the Bible is saying, for out of the heart of man proceeded evil thoughts, murder, adulteries, fornication, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. Now if we claim to be righteous, then this is the condition of the heart of man. There's nothing good that can come out of man. That is why Job is asking himself, what is man that he should be clean of the or he that is born of a woman that he should be righteous? The same Proverbs 20 verse 6, this is what the Bible is saying. And if we can actually be able to read this word because there's power in this word, 
It's asking himself, most men will proclaim every one of his own goodness. But a righteous man who shall find? God cannot find a righteous man. The condition of the heart of man is that of desperate, that of wickedness and desperateness. Is that which indeed needs someone. Is that which God desires man to recognize his heart condition and realizes that he is indeed very desperate and is in need of grace. And it is in need of life. And therefore, we must live by faith. We are saved by grace through faith. And therefore, the condition of the heart of man is that of desperate weakness. If we read the same, same Proverbs 30 verse 12, this is what the Bible is saying, verse 12. There is a generation that are pure in their own eyes, yet is not watched from their own word. Thin things. A generation that is clean, is pure in their own eyes. You meet young people, they will tell you, by the way, my dress does not matter, I am clean, I am helping the poor. Yet claiming themselves that indeed Christianity is morality. There is no way that morality will ever be Christianity. Because you can be moral, but you you, but you have not kept the law. There's, there's no morality. in. I mean, as in, we cannot claim. Yes, we need morality. We are not denying the fact that we do not need morality. But one thing that people are thinking that by themselves they can dress the way they want, yet they do not keep the law of God because the law of God is moral. By all standards, it measures. It's the rule by which we are judged. But we claim morality everywhere that we are living. And in the world that we are living, everyone is claiming morality. You are a lesbian just because you are helping the poor in the society. People will actually have, people will actually echo. People will actually commend you and exalt you. People will praise you for the acts that you are doing. But rather not the real, the heart condition itself of that wickedness and desperate wickedness. Friends, there's one thing that we should understand, that we are saved by grace through faith. There is a generation that is pure in their own eyes, yet is not washed from their filthiness. The heart condition is that of wickedness and of desperate condition. When Christ says that out of the heart proceeded murder, adulteries, evil thoughts, all this proceed from the heart. But that which goeth into the heart of man does not defile a man. But that which comes out of the heart of man is what defiles a man. That means man cannot save himself. There's nothing good. There's no way a corrupt tree will ever bear what he call as a good fruit. There's no way. Man cannot save himself. We are saved by faith. And so faith is a gift of God. And if it is the gift of God, he is a living God. And if God is a living God, there is life in that faith. And that is why we need to depend upon God himself for faith. Otherwise, we may claim ourselves to be something. That is why Galatians 6 verse 3, For if a man thinketh himself to be something, yet is nothing, the Bible says he deceiveth himself. We will end up deceiving ourselves by thinking that perhaps we can be able to save ourselves. But the Bible says... We are saved by grace through faith. If only we realize our heart condition and understand that we are desperate. Someone who is desperate is in need of help. And we know where our help comes from. 
That is why even the psalmist says, I look up on the hills and ask myself, where does my help come from? My help comes from God, who is living. Therefore, if we are saved by faith, in Jesus Christ there is life, that faith must be living faith. It is faith that is active. Faith that is in it, there is life. Faith that is living. You cannot be sustained by what is not life. And that is the next question that we ask ourselves is, faith a living thing? Is it a living thing? Yes, it is a living thing. Back to the book of Romans 1.16. The book of Romans 1.16. This is what the Bible is saying. The book of Romans chapter 1 verse 16. The Bible says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. The Bible says that the gospel is the power of God. The power of God is the creative power. Remember one thing that we should understand that by the power of God, God called the work of creation into existence. By saying, let there be light, it is the power of his work that was able to create. Hebrews 1.3 will tell us that we are kept by the power, upholding all things by the power of his work. We are God by both creation and redemption. He created and called the work of creation into existence by the power of word. And we can prove that through Genesis. Genesis 1 verse 5. Genesis 1 verse 8 and 9. Genesis 1 13. Genesis 1 19. Genesis 1 23. Genesis 1 31. will prove that God by the power of his word. He was able to call the work of creation into existence. And when he says that the gospel is the power of God. The power to create is the power to redeem. And that is why Isaiah 43 verse 1, this is what the Bible is saying, Isaiah. We can prove that through Isaiah 43 verse 1. This is what the Bible is saying. Let's read Isaiah 43 verse 1. But now thus says the Lord that created thee. That means that God who created thee, O Jacob, he that formed thee, O Israel, he, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by name, thou art mine. There are two aspects there. God claims to be a redeemer, a creator. And at the same time, in that same same text, he claims to be a redeemer. Now, let me ask you a thought question that we really need to understand this aspect in these two texts. If one is creating you by the power of his word, and by the power of his word is able to call the work of creation into existence and say, let there be light, and light exists by the power of his word. If then God has created me, and if he has created, and the Bible confirms in verse 31 that he saw everything is perfect. Because when God saw everything, it is good and perfect. Then, it means verse 31 will claim and say that everything was perfect. Now, let me ask you. If by any chance, man in the Garden of Eden fall into sin, into temptation, and became a sinner, or, or he sinned at the Garden of Eden, then what is this power that will be able to restore us to that condition initial which we were? 
being created by God and being in the likeness of God. What is that power? It is the power to redeem. Because redemption means salvation. It means a restoration of that perfect life without sin that God had created us. And therefore, creation and redemption is one thing. And we can all agree that creation and redemption is one thing. And that is why Isaiah 43 will claim that but now says the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and thee that formed thee, O Israel, fear not. For I have redeemed thee. Creation and redemption are one thing. Remember, the Sabbath is a memorial of God's creation. Creation is a memorial of God's power. God's power to create and God's power to redeem through Jesus Christ. Because it costs life for man to be restored to original condition. Where it was sinless, it takes the power of God. Then therefore that faith is living. When we are talked about the gospel, which is the power, for one to save you and to redeem you must claim and assume the prerogative of a creative power. That we agree. All of us must agree to that point. That for one to save you, he must have the power to create. There's no way one can claim to save and yet he does not have the power to even create, power to redeem and save you and he does not have the power to create. And therefore, whether you are on Dato, whether you are the Pope, whether you are what, you cannot claim to be God and yet you do not even possess that power and assume, and even that power, but assume that office. You can only assume and assume the prerogatives. Therefore, therein, but you cannot actually be able to repossess that power to create. Even when God in Exodus chapter 7 verse 1, when God was telling Moses that I have made thee a God unto Pharaoh, does not mean that God gave him all the power. He only actually subjected and delegated that power not to create, but to perform miracles before Pharaoh. But not to create. The only one who can save us is the one who has power to create. We can confirm this in Colossians 1.17 that will tell us that in Jesus Christ all things consist. It means that he brought everything into existence and he was able to create Jesus Christ. And therefore the Bible will confirm to us. Let us read Colossians 1 verse 16. This is what the Bible is saying. And we can read the Bible, Colossians 1.16. This is what the Bible is saying. Let's confirm that word categorically. The Bible says, for by him, let's begin from verse 13, giving verse 12. The Bible says, giving thanks unto the Father which has made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness? Therefore, it means that God, his essence, his motive, his actually plan of redemption was to deliver us out of darkness. And how do you actually, there is therefore the power of God and the power of darkness. But now, how are you able to deliver us from the power of darkness if you do not possess the power to actually create and rule over the whole entire universe? The Bible says, and that translates us into the kingdom of his dear son. Now look at the prerogatives of the dear son. 
Look at his character. Look at the dear son what he has done. Remember, being in whom we have redemption. Now, let me ask you, Isaiah 43 says, Hearken unto me, O Israel. Because he has created, O Jacob, that I have formed. Then he says, O Israel, fear not. He says, for I have redeemed thee. Therefore, if God is the Redeemer, Christ is also the Redeemer, then this power of God, according to the book of Romans 1.16, that power to deliver us from darkness, we can equate it to Jesus Christ, and we can confirm through that word. But before that, let's finish this text by saying, in whom we have redemption through his blood. If there is the word redemption, then it means, dear son has the power to redeem. Therefore, if he has the power to redeem, and to save us from the power of darkness, remember it is God who sent him, and God for him to use his power, use Christ as his power, to actually bring the redemption to humanity. Therefore, that confirms categorically that indeed, Christ is the power of God, because he has power to create. We can confirm that. He says, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sin. Remember Hebrews 9.22, the Bible says almost all things are by the law purged out. Then the Bible says, for without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. Therefore, we cannot save without the shedding of blood. Without no blood, no salvation, no remission of sin. That is why even Leviticus 17, verse 11, the Bible says that for the life of the flesh is in the blood. For I have given thee for an atonement. The Bible confirms and says, atonement for i have given that blood it is the blood that giveth atonement for thee that means for an individual because the blood is not saving us corporately yes it was shed corporately but whoever believes in him that blood is a cleansing agent because we are saved in whom we have redemption through his blood even the forgiveness of sin remember christ is the power we can confirm verse 16 the bible says verse 15 who is the image of the invisible god Christ is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. It does not mean that God actually, he says, the firstborn of every creature. That means that he is the firstborn of every creature. The Bible says, verse 16, for by him were all things created. That confirms that in verse 14, that there is redemption, the redeeming power of Christ. Then verse 16 confirms that for by him, were all things created. Now in John 1, 1, the Bible says that in the beginning there was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word, in the beginning there was the Word, and the Word, we can confirm that in John 1, 1, that in the beginning, this is what the Bible is saying, maybe to not just, maybe let's read John 1, 1 to confirm, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. And without him was not anything made that was made. Verse 14 confirms that this word was Jesus. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. The glory of his only begotten the father. The glory of the only begotten of the father. Full of grace and truth. That word was Jesus Christ. And if God will say let there be light. The word of God in it there is power. We can equate that word with the power of God. 
And if it is the power of God, it is the power of God to redeem. In Jesus Christ, for by him all things were created in heaven and in the earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers or things were created by him. And the Bible says, and for him, for him, for him, and is before all things and by all things consist. All things in this earth, in heaven and earth, consist in him, Jesus Christ, is the power, is the power of God. That is why Paul, when he says, I am not ashamed, because it is the power. Now we can confirm through the book of, to close this, we can confirm through the book of 1 Corinthians, verse 1, 23. He says, but we preach Christ crucified, and unto the Jews a stumbling block, unto the Greeks foolishness. But verse 24, but unto them which are called. This is what the Bible is saying. Both the Jews and the Greeks... Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. This confirms that indeed the gospel, which is the power of God, is Jesus Christ who has the power to create and the power to redeem. That means he assumes the prerogatives of God and in him he has the rightful position of assuming that prerogative and claiming to be God because he too created and he too redeems and by him all things consist. And through Jesus Christ, there is power to deliver. In him there is life. Is faith living? Yes, faith is a living thing. Verse 17, Romans 1, 17. Let's go back to the books. It says, for therein is the righteousness of God. Now, what is the righteousness of God? The righteousness of God is the life of God. The righteousness of God is the life of God. The life of God is found through Jesus Christ. We can confirm this through the book of 1 John 5.11. This is what the Bible says. And this is the record that God has given us eternal life. And he says, and this life is in his son. The life of God is in his son. The righteousness of God is his character. Remember Christ of the Lesson 3.15. If you read paragraph 2, just paraphrasing, it says, the law of God is a transcript of his character. Now, the character of God is found in his law. And in the law of God, there is life. And if the law and God is love, love is the fulfilling of the law. And the law is spiritual, just as God is spiritual. And so that confirms categorically that the life of God is in his dear son. The life of God is his righteousness. And if the righteousness of God is found in his son, the Bible says, and this is the record that God has given us to eternal life. And this life is in his son. The Bible says, verse 12, he that has the son at life. Amen. And he hath not the son, hath not life. Now, if you don't have the righteousness of God, there's no life in you through Jesus Christ. Christ is life. The life of God is manifested through his son. And therefore he says, for therein is the righteousness of God from faith to faith. Therefore faith is living. Faith contains the righteousness, brings into our heart the righteousness of God. From therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. 
The Bible says that is as it is written, the just shall live by faith. That faith is living. You can't live by something that has no life. Your whole life should be of faith. Faith is continuous as life is continuous. It is everlasting foundation. That means the Bible says from faith to faith. The life of God is manifested through the Son. We have had a record in 1 John 5, 11, verse 12. Where the Bible says that in him there is life. He that hath not the Son hath no life. Jesus confirms in John 15, verse 4, that without me you can do nothing. That means that you have no life at all. In the other words, if we lack life through the Son, we have no God in us. Faith must be living. Your whole life should be of faith. Because it is from faith to faith. It is continuous. You live by breathing. It is from faith to faith. You live by breathing. You live by breathing. This is what the Bible is saying. You cannot stop breathing. Breathe this time. Moment in Jesus' name we pray. You live by breathing. Faith is continuous as life is continuous. It's everlasting foundation. As soon as you cease breathing, you cease living. And so therefore, one other thought question that we really need to understand is that how does faith come? How does faith come? The book of Romans 10, 17, the Bible says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. That means that we must read the word of God constantly. Remember, the word of God is Christ. When Christ was here on earth, he was in bodily. When he's in heaven, he's in the written form. We must read Christ in the written form through the scripture, depending upon the word daily. Hearing the word of God and by the word of God. The word of God is all powerful. Remember the book of Psalms 119, verse 105. Sorry, the book of uh, Psalms 100. Uh, you can read the book of Psalms 119, verse 105. This is what the Bible says. 119, verse 105. The Bible says the word of God is a lamp. Uh, 119. 119 verse 105, the Bible says, The word is a lamp to my feet and is a light unto my path. The light, Jesus Christ says in John 8, 12, that I am the light of the world, that no one actually walketh in the light and stumbles. And therefore Christ, if he's in the light, he will lead us and is the one who will actually light through our path so that we can be able to walk, not in darkness, but in the light, so that we are not taken in the darkness and the wiles of the devil and in the darkness. The word of God is all powerful. So faith cometh by the hearing the word of God. We cannot actually grow from faith to faith if we don't constantly depend upon the word of God for strength. And therefore the word of God is a lamp, a lamp unto thy feet and a light unto my path. Therefore even the psalmist claims that indeed it is a lamp. The lamp of God, the word of God is a lamp. The word of God is a light unto the path so that we cannot walk in the darkness for us to grow and build our faith daily. Now, one thing that we should understand as we read one of the paragraphs in Great Controversy 530 paragraph 2, 
Great Controversy 530, paragraph 2. One of the writers in 19th century confirms this by saying that no man is safe for a day or an hour without prayer. Especially should we treat the Lord for wisdom to understand his word. Therefore, prayer will be able to enable us to entreat the Lord for us to understand the world and build our faith daily. He says, he has revealed the wiles of the tempter, the means by which we may successfully be resisted. Therefore, in other words, for us to resist Satan, we must study the word. Christ studied the word. He depended upon the word of God. And when the wiles of the tempter came in the wilderness, Christ was able to defeat the devil and overcome him by the word, it is written. It is written. It is written. He says, Satan is an expert in quoting the scripture. We are not safe. The scripture is a safeguard. When we constantly depend upon the word of God and build, we are safe against Satan because he's an expert in quoting the scripture, placing his own interpretation upon passages by which he hopes to cause us to stumble. We should study the Bible with humility of heart, never losing sight of our dependence upon God. Therefore, as we study the word of God, we do not lose that dependence. The word dependence means that we must have faith even in God, in this word that we are reading, so that we are not losing sight of it, so that the tempter may not be able to overcome us. He quotes the scripture. He well knows the times that he is living. And it's so amazing that when you read the scripture, even in Revelation 12, verse 10, the Bible will tell you categorically that Satan knows well his time. And when he understands, where has he read this? He has read the scripture. We are not safe. We are only safe if we abide in Christ. Constantly depend upon his word so that when we face the tempter, we are able to overcome. She continues by saying, never losing sight of our dependence upon God. While we must constantly guard against devices of Satan, we should pray in faith continually. Lead us not into temptation. The power of the word of God. One of the quotations in, Christ, in Christian Education 57, paragraph 1, she says, fill the whole heart with the words of God. Then, experience 57, paragraph 1 says, fill the whole heart with the words of God. They are living water, quenching your burning thirst. They are living bread from heaven. Christ proclaimed this word. If you read in John 6, 63, by saying that I am the living bread. This is what the Bible is saying when we read 6.53. The Bible says, verse 38, For I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. Then the Bible says, the Bible says, if you read verse 53, verily, then Jesus said unto them, verily I say unto you, except you eat of the flesh of the Son of Mona, drink his blood, you have no life in you. We have no life. Even the word of God confirms that indeed without it we have no life. Without faith, you, we cannot have life without faith. Without the word of God, there is no life in us. Christ is the bread that came down from heaven. It is the word of God. That is why Christian Education 52nd paragraph says, Fill the whole heart with the words of God. The word of God, the scripture must fill our hearts daily to constantly guard ourselves against the words of the tempter. They are living water, quenching your burning thirst. 
if you are thirsty, if anyone be thirsty, Christ will be able to be able to quench that thirstiness. If you are not satisfied, Christ will be able to satisfy you with his word. If you are not content, Christ will be able to quench that burning thirst so that you are content in every, each and every situation that we are. They are living bread from heaven because Christ himself came down from heaven. He is the word and even the book of John 1, 1, 1. Will John 1, 1 will confirm categorically that Jesus Christ is the word and the word became flesh, verse 14, and dwelt among us as we beheld his glory. Be the the glory of the only the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Therefore, it means that Christ Himself is the Word and their living bread. That means that if that Word is living, then that faith, that Word, if we have to achieve faith, then we have to achieve through that Word that is living. This also confirms that faith is a living Word. She confirms by saying that except ye eat of the flesh of the Son of Man. Quoting 663 of the book, John 663, that except ye eat of the flesh of the Son of Man and drink of the blood, ye have no life in you. And he explains himself by saying, The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Our bodies, look at this, are built upon what we eat and drink. Therefore, if we don't take the word of God daily, then we will be malnutrition, we will be spiritually destitute. She says, and as in the natural economy, so is the spiritual economy. It is what we meditate upon that will give tone and strength to our spiritual nature. That means if we constantly meditate upon the word of God, constantly dwell upon his, constantly depend upon this word so that Christ may be able to dwell among us, constantly eat this word daily, so as in the natural economy, so is the spiritual economy. It is what we meditate upon that will give tone and strength to our spiritual nature. So if we have to grow from faith to faith, then it means that the word of God must dwell upon us, reading the word of God and eating and drinking, the same way that we demand for food when we are angry, the same way we will want food when we are angry, the same way we will want water when we are thirsty. It's the same way and it's the same principle that we should apply upon the word of God so that we can actually develop tone and strength to our spiritual life. And our faith will be built upon that word. Christ defeated. He says it is written, man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded from the mouth of God. Yes, we will eat food, but does that food give us tone and strength? Yes, the food will give us physical, what you call as vigor, but that does food give us life? No. Even if we eat vegetables and we become vegetarians, that does not give us life. What will give us life is actually Jesus Christ when we have faith in him. Remember the just shall live by faith. And finally, friends, as we conclude this message for today, what does faith bring to our hearts? Remember, we began by saying that the just shall live by faith. What does faith bring to our hearts? What does faith bring to our heart as we near the conclusion of this message? The times that we are living, we really need to understand that the plan of God was to give us victory over every besetting sin. And to understand that the prime objective of God giving his only begotten son to die for us at the cross at Calvary is that we may be able to overcome victorious over sin and to restore us to our original condition where man fell. Christ came 
that he may be able to conquer on that very point that humanity fell. What a blessedness. What an assurance that Christ has given us. What a blessed assurance that Christ gives us each and every time to understand that indeed he came while we were still lost, while we knew not, he actually came and died for the ungodly. This is very powerful, powerful in the scripture. But one thing that we should understand, how do we overcome victorious over sin? What does this faith bring to our heart if we are being told that the word of God must fill our hearts, that we should fill the word of God Fill our whole heart with the word of God. What is this that faith brings to our heart? Remember, we started by saying that the heart's condition of a man is a condition in which man is desperate. Man is wicked. What proceeded from the heart of man is just adultery, murder. All these things proceed from the heart of man. It is not that which comes from outside or that which actually goeth into human's heart that actually defiles him, but that cometh out of humanity. That means that the inside is what actually makes man to be able to do what? And man to, to actually sin. The, the, one thing that we should understand is that that which comes from the man is what defiles that man. And so if this is the heart condition, and that's just we define that sin is the condition of the heart, and the condition of man's heart is that of desperate wickedness. By nature, man, humanity sins. By nature, actually, there's nothing good that comes from this. Like we say that a corrupt tree cannot produce what you call as a good tree, a good fruit. There's no way. And so what faith brings to the heart must be the one in which brings life, tone and strength to our life so that we be able to overcome victorious over sin. There is hope in this. Ephesians 3 verse 17, as we conclude our lesson, the Bible says, verse 16, the Bible that he will grant according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened by the might, by spirit in the inner man. That means the desire of God is actually to strengthen the inner man by his spirit to strengthen the inner man by his spirit. Christ Object Lesson 174, paragraph 4, says that Christ desires nothing than to redeem his heritage from the dominion of Satan before he delivers us from Satan's power without. He must deliver us from Satan's power within. This is a very powerful statement that indeed the desire of Christ is to deliver us from Satan's power within, then that which faith brings, then it must bring something in the heart so that we may be able to conquer and break even what we call as the Satan's chains. We may be able to overcome the strongholds of Satan in our hearts. And so Ephesians says that, that he will grant you according to the riches of his glory Remember, the glory of God is actually his character. When he was actually telling Moses that Moses demanded from God that he may show him his glory, God was able to reveal to him and tell him that indeed I will show you my glory. And in Exodus chapter 34, Exodus chapter 34, verse 5 and 6, uh, we can confirm this when Christ, God was speaking about his glory. 
Verse 5 and 6, he says, The Lord descended in the cloud and stood within there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God merciful and gracious, long-suffering, abounded in goodness and truth. And if you read Exodus 33, verse 17, the Bible says, And the Lord said unto Moses, I will do this thing also that has spoken, for thou hast found grace in thy sight, for I know thy name. And he said, I beseech thee, show me in thy glory. Glory and the name is actually one thing. The glory of the Father and his name is one thing because the transcript of his character is actually is in the name, is in the law of God. The law of God is a transcript of God's character. Therefore, the name, when the Bible says that, and lo, and I stood and I saw a lamb stand in Mount Zion with him a hundred and forty and four, a hundred and a hundred and forty and four thousand, having his father's name written in their foreheads. That is Revelation 14, verse 1. It means that father's name is his character. When Moses was demanding, he said that I will show you, proclaim thy name, he says, I will show you my glory. That from Moses says, show you my glory. That glory is the name of the Father. It is his character, who is merciful, abounded, long-suffering in grace, forgiving the iniquity and transgression and sin, and that will by no means clear the guilt, visiting the iniquities of the fathers upon their children, upon the children's children, unto the third and so forth generation. And so that it means that the character of God, when Ephesians says that he will show his glory, he will be able to, according to the riches of his glory, that he may be able to strengthen the inner man, my spirit, then it means there is one thing that Christ will desire and constantly is that man may be able to overcome the inner man, the inner struggle, that he may be able to be strengthened and that he may be able to overcome victorious over sin because if the inner man is strengthened, obviously even the outward will reveal the kind of fruit, the kind of faith that you bear and the kind of spirit that you have. Because the fruit of spirit actually has to be manifested outwardly. Now, to the book of Ephesians 3.18, the Bible says, may be able to comprehend with all manner of sins what is the breadth and length and the depth and the height, and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Verse 17 says that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. So what does faith bring in our Faith brings Christ in our heart. Remember, the heart condition of a man is that of desperate wickedness. But one hope that we have had is that faith brings Christ in the heart. Faith brings the life in the heart. Remember, the life of God is in Jesus Christ. Faith brings the life of God is righteousness through Jesus Christ. Remember, the book of John 10.10, 10, the Bible says that for I have come. You know, John 10.10, 10, Jesus Christ actually was proclaiming by saying that I have come, that they may have life and they may have it more abundantly. But he says that the thief cometh not but for steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they may have life, that they may have it more abundantly. That more abundantly. More abundantly. Friends, if Christ dwells in our heart, we will have this life more abundantly, the life of God and His righteousness, and therefore confirms that righteousness is by faith. Righteousness of God is by faith. The righteousness that we claim is not our own, we receive it by faith. 
we receive Christ in our hearts by faith. And therefore, we receive the life of God in the fullest. And therefore, that is why the Bible says that we may be able to comprehend what is the, the breadth, the length, the height. And so that we may be able to come to the fullness of God according to the book of Ephesians. Such is a living faith. And we must live by faith. Faith brings the righteousness of God. Remember, without faith, we cannot please God. And it is sin not to have faith according to Romans 14.23. Desire of Ages 3.24 paragraph 1 says that the only defense against evil is the indwelling of Christ in the heart. Christ does not... We, we, we do not have to do good in order for Christ to condescend in our hearts. But we allow Christ by faith to come in our hearts in order that he may free us from bondage. This is a very encouraging statement that the only defense against evil is the indwelling of Christ in our hearts through faith in his righteousness. This is our verses 3.24 paragraph 1. Through faith in his righteousness. There is hope, my friends, as we conclude this message, that they just shall live by faith. That the only way we can live by faith is actually allowing Christ to be in our hearts. So then in such a time that we are living, I encourage each and every one that indeed despite the fact that we are living in very hard times, despite that sin is everywhere, is dwelling and surrounding with an all-absorbing influences, despite the fact that you've lost all hope and you have given up in this life so much that you feel that you are so sinful to an extent that you cannot be able to overcome and you have shied away from the princess of Christ, I want to give you hope. The only defense against evil is the indwelling of Christ in our hearts through faith in his righteousness. Therefore, we must accept Christ in our hearts by faith. Despite the situation that we are living in, very difficult times until we cannot even afford food and even bring it on the table. Despite the fact that we are living trying times where our faith will be tested individually, the only defense against evil, against even the evil forces which are consolidating and strengthening their forces for the last great crisis, the only defense is to allow Christ to dwell in our hearts because he's our divine pattern, he's our leader. He is our defense against evil and he will be able to give us victory, not only victory outwardly against outward against external forces, but even victory over every besetting sin and to destroy the strongholds of Satan so that we can live in accordance to his will. May God bless you. May God bless you indeed. Let us pray. Mighty and everlasting Father, mighty and ever. we thank you because of your grace. And we thank you because of this message. We pray that you may forgive us our sins. Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thank you for this message, living by faith. And all that we are asking, Jesus, even as we get to the second part in application of this message, Lord, I ask that God, you may bless the listeners. You may guide them, Lord. That they may be able, Jesus Christ, to be able to comprehend the, your love, the breadth, the height, and with the, understand with all manner of saints, and all knowledge, the knowledge that passes all understanding, and to come to the fullness of God. We need to be partakers of divine pattern. 
And Lord, the only way to be partakers of divine pattern is only accepting you, Christ, by faith in our hearts. Thank you for this message that indeed we need to live by faith and we need the just and live by faith. We ask that you may guide us, Lord, in every step. We bless the readers, guide us in these times that we are living which are very difficult and prepare us for eternity, for it is in Jesus' name we pray.